Drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? When we were kids, we used to partake in that famous Australian pastime of a Sunday drive. No destination, no rush, just a bit of a drive around the neighbourhood to watch people and look at their houses. My mum used to call it a shufti, to have a bit of a looky-loo, see what's new, what we liked, what we disliked. And while this wanton use of fuel seems frankly unaffordable today, we have continued our fascination with other people's houses from whole reality TV show empires about building and renovating and the rental crisis and the property market. Is it inspiration or judgment or just pure nosiness? Sandy Weir has tapped into this fascination and created an Instagram and a book, Other People's Homes, documenting houses from the quirky to the quaint all around Australia. Hello, Sandy. Hello. How are you this afternoon? I'm good. I think, you know, we're all like this. I think this is my opening confession. We all just want to look behind the curtain and see how people live and maybe be a bit judgy about it. Are we judgy? Are we a nation of sticky beaks? Look, we're definitely a nation of sticky beaks and we're definitely a nation with a fair percentage of judgy. I try not to let the judgy in, though, on my Instagram page and the comments that people make because everyone's house, well, every house you see was somebody's pride and joy on one day. On one day it was brand new. It's a symbol of hard work. But you're right, we do like to drive around and look over the fences and imagine what's going on inside. We did exactly the same thing when we were kids in the car with Dad. It was called cheap entertainment. (laughs) But there is no stronger sense of nostalgia when it comes to the homes that we used to live in, the houses that we used to call home that we grew up in, that perhaps the door frame was marked in HB pencil, various increments of our height. So the the strongest form of nostalgia or interest here is the homes we used to live in. Have you done this? Have you knocked on the door? Um, Well, I haven't actually knocked on the door. I don't do that. But um, it's also that that we like looking at the things that reminded us of when we were kids. I don't know about you, but when we were in the car and we were going anywhere, annoying annoying mum and dad in the front, we would mark where we were going by what we were seeing. So when we got past the roundhouse, we were about to arrive at Nana's. Or when we went past the man on the tyres, we were about to be somewhere. <laughs> so all of these all of these houses that I take pictures of look like they're on the way to your Nana's house or the weekend of the Jews to love or your favourite auntie or your boyfriend when you were 15. They're all a reminder of, of what used to go past. A journalism teacher of mine once said, there's no stories, there's just people, you know, really people are the heart of every story. So in the houses that you take photographs of, is it their choice of decor? Is it more about them? Are you more interested in them? Well, it's kind of a combination, really. Sometimes I stand out the front of the houses and I get this really clear picture in my head of who lives in there. And I think, gee, that's a nice house. I bet someone really nice lives in there who has multiple choices of biscuits if you were to drop in. (laughs) Um, Or I think, well, you know, the person who lives in this house, that maybe they're a little bit tired because there needs to be a a little more painting done around the front. I try, I try not to photograph pictures of sad houses if that makes, if that makes sense. There is a, there is a thing called pareidolia, which is where you see, you see faces in inanimate objects. So I quite often see the, the houses with faces. <laughs> I think it's a bit like a bit like the coriander thing. Some people can't see the houses with faces. I can. 
<laughs> yeah, especially when there's some, you know, actual faces in the garden, you know, like tire swans. Why don't we do oh. tire swans anymore? Well, I think you're just not going to the right places because mm. there are plenty of tire swans, there are plenty of concrete swans, there are plenty of concrete koalas with holes in their stomach so you can stick a letter into it. There's all sorts of really terrific, interesting things in Australian suburbia if you're at ground level and you're having a look as you're wandering around. I think through the kind of mass consumerisation of um, DIY things from the big green shed, we've all gone, kind of got the same things now, whereas back in the day you used to have this unusual concrete statuette of like this beautiful lady, you know, draped in sort of robes and things that you got from somewhere that no one else has. We've lost this kind of uniqueness about garden uh, ornaments and, and garden decorations. Yeah, I think we have. I think we've all become a bit um we've all become a bit obsessed with having clipped balls out the front and having it all look terribly neat and tidy. And I really, really like when I find a front yard that somebody is just expressing themselves. So they've got a they've got some hedges that they've cut into the shape of a giraffe and stuck eyeballs onto the top of them. I think it's great. And what I find as I'm as I'm wandering around is quite often there's more than one front yard like this in a street. So I reckon all the old mates having competitions with each other. So there are, I mean, there are suburbs of Melbourne where every single letterbox in the street is a fascinating thing made out of fake concrete trees. I think um, I think once one house gets going, I think it gives the other people the confidence to have a go too. Keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. Perhaps, yeah. Sandy Weir's here. We're talking about uh, Australian suburban houses, uh, her Instagram account and book really show you inside and around some of the houses that you really kind of were desperate to have a look at. I know that um, you get a lot of messages from people saying, oh, I know this house or I know someone that lives in this house. Is there a little bit of a, a kind of, I don't know, revealing the cur- behind the curtain here for people? Is that the appeal? Yes, and people have really... Well, most people, 99.9% of people have been really thrilled that I've taken a picture of their house. Some have said, oh, could you come back another day and I'll mow the lawns? Um, or I've taken a picture of a house that they recognised from when they were when they were kids. I do get invited inside, sometimes out the front. People say, come in and have a look. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Other times people get in touch online and say, that's my house when you're next in the neighbourhood. Come in and have a look at my beautiful bathroom or the backyard or something that they've done inside. I think that's really sweet. You must have a really friendly face for to being invited inside for the multiple choices of biscuits because, you know, clearly people are very... Uh, these days, the sort of front door is locked for a reason kind of thinking. So... What's your opening uh, gambit? Is it I just love your house, or can I can I can yes. I come in? Yep, no, no, never can I come in. But um, I don't look threatening. I, you know, I'm a little bit round and I've got freckles. I'm middle aged, so I don't I don't look scary. And people, if they pop out the front door, ask what I'm doing, and I say I just love your house. Is it okay if I take a photo? And just about everybody says yes. Although I was in a bit of a bit of a fancy suburb in Turak, and the police came. Oh, right. Do you think the, the, the owner was perhaps tax dodging and there was some uh, un- unwanted journalistic interest in the past, perhaps? Well, apparently there had been a lot of break-ins, so they were thinking that I was casing the joint. Not and the, you with your freckles, uh, surely not. I know, not me. And the nice policeman, he w- wasn't wearing a police uniform, though, got out and said, uh, what are you doing? 
do you live here? And I started to laugh and I said, do I look like I live here? And he laughed too because I do look a bit shabby. Um, <laughs> and we had a nice chat. Anyway, we worked out that I wasn't wasn't taking photographs to rob all of the nice houses in Turak. You've got pictures of houses from across Victoria and New South Wales, regional and inner city areas. So you must notice a few kinds of threads between uh, the differences between states. I mean, you mentioned around your area this sort of uh, penchant for concrete, uh, you know, like fences and, and, and statuettes. But in regional Australia, that is a whole different kettle of fish. Oh, that's regional Australia is a whole different ball game. They do some great stuff out there and they build things in their front yard with local stone terrifically irrelevant things like like sea view when they're actually in the middle of New South Wales and there's no actual sea to be seen for miles. There are really there are really distinct zones between between the different states. And I had a bit of a wander around Brisbane as well. Um, I had a wander around Adelaide. They do some great stuff with stone down there. But I'm I'm star I'm no architect. I'm just a just an oddball with a with an with an iPhone. Um, but I am really able now to see which state I'm in by the by the distinctive architecture of each state. And each city and each suburb actually, they're all so different. And there's a real source of pride there. I, I don't know if you've ever heard about uh, the Paddock Art Sculpture Tourist Trail. It's in central New South Wales. It goes between Molong and Dubbo Zoo. It's 120 kilometres and every single property on this 120 kilometres length of road has their own uh, metallic sculpture of an animal riding a bicycle. It could be a pig. It could be a donkey. It could be as big as an elephant. There are hundreds and hundreds of... This is like... I don't know why this is not... UNESCO protected because it is the height of creativity when it comes to house uh, being house proud. Yes, I agree. And that, look, I think we we could go down a, an interesting path talking about what should be protected. But I absolutely think things like that should be, and um, and also houses that have unusual paintings on the front of them. And I think we we tend to think about heritage as you know, colonial terraces and that sort of thing. But, you know, wacko, wacko houses in Earlwood, I think, are as important to protect because they define the they define the character of a suburb. And it's a little bit like the rings of a tree when you cut it down. You can kind of see the different um, eras that the trees live through and suburbs are like that as well because you mentioned Earlwood in the, the sort of southern suburbs of Sydney. Big migrant population, lots of brown brick, um, no doubt a few tire swans over the years, the contributions of different waves of migra- migration are visible. You can see the columns, the pillars, You mu- and you see this in your photos. Yes, and you can see I've now learned that different things in front yards indicate different um, different migrant groups. So they're identifying they live there by the by the front of their house or their front yard. And I really, really like the fact that when these houses were built and they thought, let's put pillars on. In fact, let's put as many pillars as we possibly can. I mean, why just have a functional house when you can have a highly decorated, beautiful house? It has to look like a library. You know, there's like three stories of Doric columns as far as the eye can see. You have become quite familiar with some residential architects by recognising their different works on your walks. Tell me about Gino Volpato. 
Oh, Gino Volpato. Look, I could talk about I could talk about Gino Volpato for hours and hours, and, and in fact, I do. Gino Volpato is an Italian architect who came to Australia in 1960 and designs the most polarizing houses. So, if you have one in your suburb. You know, it, they don't even need to have a street address. It's just, you know, the house that looks like the sleigh or the house that looks like the Curly Castle. And they were um, they were built in the 70s and 80s. And they're, they're absolutely extraordinary. And as I said, polarising because you either stand out the front like I do and go, far out, that's a beauty, or okay, okay. And again, why have a why have a you know square angled upright functional house when you could have a house with round curly things on the balcony? Uh, in in Melbourne, the architects Holger and Holger did a similar thing. Again, polarising migrant architecture, highly decorated highly fanciful as well and highly, highly discussed. I mean, people have been standing out the front of their houses going, what do you reckon, since they were built? Well, as someone who uh, likes to think of themselves as pretty house proud, you've really made me realise that I'm not the only one. Everyone's got their own weird sculpture or weird shag pile oh. carpet somewhere What have in you the got house. in the front yard? What's in your front yard? Uh, I'm a lawn guy. Um, so, oh, right. Yeah, okay. Yep. It's all, yep. about, it's yep. all about the lawn. Uh, it's been an absolute delight to talk to you, Sandy. Sandy Weir has been my guest. Her book, Other People's Homes, Suburban Curb Appeal, is out now. And you can find her on Instagram at other underscore people's homes. Good to talk to you, Sandy. Thank you so much. Bye. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. 